We have been joined by some special guests over our time, oh, but yeah. this one probably takes the case uh, takes the cake as the most special guest we have had thus far from the incredible band Berlin, Terry Nunn. Hello. Wow. God, can I call you every morning? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Would you like to? Be, well, you've done a bit of radio. Would you like to be part of the show? I have actually. That was honestly, I. Your job is something I would have always wanted to have. And I, when I was in my teens and I, you know, when you're thinking about, okay, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? I thought, okay, if I, if I don't have the talent to be a musician, like I can't make my own music, then I want to be a DJ. I want to, (laughs) I want to interview people and I want to play other people's music. Yeah. And that's why, that's exactly why I'm here. Why? Because well, I've got no talent at being a musician. Jamie does. <laughs> Jamie's a bloody good singer. Uh, uh, but but for me, oh, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, but for me, I I love music and I love chatting with people. And this just seemed like the exact right job. Yeah, I mean, you're lucky. I mean, and it also so much really fun. If you're talking about fallback careers, being a a, a best-selling international recording artist <laughs> and Academy Award winner is probably not a bad fallback career. I mean, you know, it, it fills the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you are going to be filling the time pretty well because you're hitting Australia in the uh, not-too-distant future in the early part of next year in uh, January, you, uh, 25th of January in Sydney up at the Factory Theatre, you're heading down to Melbourne at the Croxton Band Room. They're the two closest to us. That's on the 28th of January. What are Berlin bringing to Australia? We are bringing our A game because you guys are probably one of my favorite places and people to play at and for. I just love you guys. I, I, I love being there and we don't get to come there enough. So having this opportunity is a big deal for us. And we are going to bring you a very visual show, of course, the, uh, the songs that everybody there knows and loves as well as a couple of tributes to two of our favorite Australian artists and bands and uh, tastes of transcendence and strings attached. So it's, it's going to be quite a show. Triple M's actually celebrating Aussie music at the moment with Oztober. Who are some of your favorites who you'd like to see? I may have seen something on Facebook that you do a great tribute to one of Australia's legendary rock bands. Yes, that is true, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what we're doing, man. you got you got to pony up for the ticket, Lee. You're not going to get anything for free, mate. you got to go and see Berlin when they come out here. You know how this works. I do. Well, since you've had me on your show, I, I think tit for tat. I, I would definitely have you as my guest, of course. <laughs> That would be fantastic. Now, you mentioned before about the amazing visuals that we can expect to see. Um, At the time we're recording this, it's just before you're about to launch the On My Knees video with the visuals by digital artist Android Jones. Uh, Can we expect to see some of that amazing, trippy, psychedelic visuals as part of the tour? Yes, you can. And and thank you for, uh, yeah, that's happening this Friday. That video is being... uh, uh, premiered on YouTube in our YouTube channel and and those lucky people over there and those very kind people over there are doing this premiere with us. But yeah, it's um, I I 
honestly, I make music not to be in a studio. It's just not my thing. I do it because I love concerts. I love going to concerts. I love making concerts. I love the ecstasy of being with people enjoying music. Yes. So it's important to me to to make it a great experience because I get to be with you. You've always been known as a great live act like through the whole course of your career. For people who don't know, talk to us a little bit about the history of Berlin the band because it's it's been sort of it's dipped in and out. You've had your highs, you've had some tougher times. It's so great to see you back on the touring circuit. Thank you. Yeah, we are celebrating our 45th anniversary, if you can believe that. No, nope. <laughs> wow. Year. Yeah, John started, John Crawford started the band in 1977, and I joined in 1979. And we played the clubs of out here in California for a few years, and then we got signed to Geffen Records when he was just starting out. And that, you know, went on and on for another 11 years. And then I left the band in the 90s and got a life because I really didn't have one. (laughs) I only had work. I didn't have friends anymore or a love life. There was no time. I was never home, you know. So I got that back into my life. And then I, Berlin, re- connected with the world at the end of the 90s and have been going strong and and now the original three of us are back in the band because they were not in the band john crawford and david diamond until wow maybe three years ago three four years ago and now it's the three of us again so it feels full circle it feels like we started this band and honestly i don't know how much longer we will go on I love this, but God, 45 years is a long time. <laughs> so it feels like, yeah, might start and finish with the three of us. It's how it feels, you know. It's pretty, pretty, uh, I'm feeling pretty grateful about that. How's it been putting new music together again, like with Berlin as well? Because you had such a litany of hits and then you had that break. And then just the last few years, there's been like you've had Transcendence out and you've done the redo with the strings attached. How's it been revisiting the songs and putting new stuff out? I think overall it's better. And I, the reason it's better is because we're at an age where we're not freaking out all the time. I mean, I was in my twenties, I was freaking out all the time. I was scared. You know, I was afraid of people. I was afraid I'd lose this job that, that I wasn't good enough and it would never last. And so I was constantly on edge. And, and as we get older, I really like that we realize that there's no reason to be on edge all the time. You know, the, the life's pretty good. And, and it, it's the universe is benevolent and it, things work out. So it, it helps me to relax. And John and I, as partners and as writers again together, we're at that new place where we're just more happy. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> we get to enjoy this now, you know, having the, opportunity to be in in music this long we get to enjoy it now like we never did before 
Yeah, I think a lot of people wrongly assume that uh, to create good art, you need a bit of you know torture and and you know uh, self examination and and dreariness and depression. But it's not necessarily true, is it? Like, there's something to be said for the value of being comfortable in your own skin. Well, it all is fodder for music, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you, I'm sure you do remember Roxy Music's Avalon was written for, you know, the woman that he married. And it, it was all about the joy that he was feeling. And it's one of the best albums to me of all time. So that's that's one extreme. And then the other is, you know, the, the depths of despair that a lot of music comes from. And that's great music, too. So it all it's all important. Mm. And, and I feel that music, the point of music is to share all of those heights and depths of emotion so people don't feel alone. You know, we can feel connected. Yeah, that's so true. Isn't it? It's one of those things that brings people together regardless of where you're from is, is love of music, good music. Yeah. Yeah. And that other people are feeling the same way mm. as I do. Mm. You know, that's why I fell in love with music because because of my fear as a kid and, and that I heard these artists sharing fears that I had. And, and it meant so much to me that I, I realized I'm not a freak, you know, <laughs> that this, this is real stuff and it's, it's okay to feel these things. I think the other thing from an audience point of view is that shared experience that you get when you're at a live gig with in a room full of like 2000 strangers mm who are all just there for that one reason. And it's just, it's almost a spiritual experience at the best of them times. I agree with you. And I think my experience, and I'll include myself in this statement, is that most musicians have social issues. And for me, I'll speak for myself. I've meddled many, obviously over 45 years and played with many and, and found that a lot. And I, I think for me, my social issues made music important also because I could find something to connect with people with. And, and music is the bridge and helped me to connect in a way that was safe and enjoyable. And I was less scared when I did it. Hey, um, talk to us just a little bit about your music as well. I mean, we've seen uh, the last couple of years with the Top Gun movie coming out, the Take My Breath Away has just hit the charts again. From a like distribution point of view, I guess, like moving from record CDs to like Spotify and online where everything's available all at once, are you finding that you're getting a younger audience through to uh, listen to some music which you're like, oh, yeah, I made that quite a long time ago. And, yes, it is still good. I know. Well, what I love about it is that it is available. Because when I was a kid, I don't – you guys don't seem as old as me. But when I was a kid, you know, I didn't listen to my parents' music. I, and and it, how did you ever listen to it? Unless they did, right? Because, it. I mean, I listened to my own stations. But now – they can everything's accessible and i think that's fantastic i mean when i now i see whole families going to concerts because everybody's listening to everything you know i just took my daughter to she's 17 i took her to billy eilish i really like billy eilish oh, so yeah. does she and i saw a lot of of mother daughter families there it was incredible i mean this is a whole new way of enjoying music to me that you can make it a family experience and not be like, oh, God, you know, that's my parents' music. That sucks. <laughs> it's it's 
it's a different world now. I know um, it's interesting, isn't it? A lot of uh, younger people, I guess, who weren't around the first time that a lot of these iconic songs, not not just Berlin songs, but uh, entire eras, you know, particularly 80s and 90s and things, have come across this music through um, new mediums like video games. Like, for example, uh, yeah. you know, of course, there's a Berlin song in the Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories game that came out a few years ago. Uh, and you see things like... Uh, Kenny Loggins is one of the radio hosts in Grand Theft Auto Five. He he hosts the Yacht Rock station on in Grand Theft Auto Five, which is one of the really? biggest uh, entertainment properties in history. It's made something like six and a half billion dollars. Yeah, actually, wow. that that does beg the question. Uh, rumor is that Grand Theft Auto Six, which is heavily in development, will be set during the eighties. Is there going to be a Berlin song pop up in GTA Six? Perhaps. <laughs> Is this one of your favorite games or something? Oh, I'm a huge gamer. Yeah, I, I love gaming. I just find it really yeah. fun that, um, you know, I, I can, I'm 44 years old myself, but I can have a discussion with my nephew who's just 21 and we can talk about the music that we love from Vice City from the 80s. And we're from two totally different yeah. generations and still find a common right. love of those songs through the game. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I'm not a gamer, so I don't know any of this. Ah, yeah. Yeah, see, uh, Sex, the song Sex was in uh, Vice City Stories, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Mm, yeah. And Vice Vice City Stories is in Grand, Grand Theft Auto? It was one of the spin-off games uh, for Grand Theft Auto, yeah. But the, the next big one is Grand Theft Auto 6, and it's rumoured to be set during the 80s. So I, I, I thought maybe... Might be seeing Metro in there or, uh, you know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, I'm always fascinated by people who have had works of art banned by various things. And, of course, <laughs> sex was banned from radio airplay. How is it for a band to go through that that process where you've got, like, the I guess those who are, I'm going to say wowsers, uh, but, like, saying, no, you can't say that on my station. How is it to be on the <laughs> other end of that? It seems like it's going to be awful. It's actually great. <laughs> it brings so much it brings so much attention to the band that you, that nothing else would. For example, we we had a show down here in California and it was a 9000 seat arena and this priest went on to it made a TV commercial <laughs> for that city which was San Diego, California and and he said Berlin are the devil's children and they are out to get your children and you should never ever ever go to this concert do not allow your children to go this is this is wrong they are the devil's children and it's sold out in oh. about an hour from when and and like we, we were like, okay, how do we get this guy, this priest, to do more commercials? What <laughs> <laughs> kind of publicity that money can't buy? It couldn't be, you couldn't do it better. I mean, now everybody wanted to see it, you know? And I, I wish we'd lived up to the devil's children thing, but, you know. So anyway, my point of the story is that that, that kind of thing can seem like it's a bad thing that you're banned from whatever, but it's actually turned out to be great because it draws attention and a conversation about why 
why is this being banned? Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that, that is a top shelf pull quote for the poster as well. Berlin, the devil's children, don't go and see them. <laughs> Appearing live in Sydney and Melbourne. <laughs> Oh, so good. Um, talk to us about what's next. What's like? You've got the tour. You've got some some new music out. What's next for Terry Nunn and for Berlin? Because you have had such an interesting and eclectic, I guess, artistic journey in music, film, TV, the whole works. Oh, thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to playing more with the three of us with John Crawford and David Diamond. It's so wonderful to have them back in the band and be playing for people again. Next year will be the release of our Christmas album, which we've had to put on hold. It was coming out until COVID happened. And so we've been holding on to it, but that will be coming out in the fall of next year. And yeah, just getting to play for as many people as we can. Outstanding. Well, Terry, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up and chat Aww. a little bit about your life and career. And we could speak for literally hours. <laughs> um, but thank you so much. Now, of course, Hitting Australian Shores, you can get the details at berlinpage.com, the website, 25th of January in Sydney at the Factory Theatre, then 28th of January at the Croxton Bandroom down in Melbourne. Again, berlinpage.com and Terry Nunn from Berlin. Thank you so much for your time today. Lee and Jamie, you've been a pleasure. Thank you very much for including me. It was great. And anytime you want to dip your toe back into radio, think of us. We're here. We've got a, <laughs> we've got a seat open for you, ready to go. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs>